Kansas State football begins a new era under coach Chris Kleiman, and the season opener is a little over two weeks away. Beat writer Kellis Robinette brings us up to speed on the latest in Manhattan, including the running back situation, position battles, and the future of beer sales at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. He joins us on Sportsbeat KC, the sports podcast of the Kansas City Star and sponsored by Big O Tires. It's Tuesday, August 13th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Got Callis Robinette here, the Kansas State beat writer for the Wichita Eagle, the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, and Kansas.com. Am, am I leaving one out, Callis? Uh, is, is it, does that about cover it? Yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it. Okay, you're the McClatchy guy. Is, yeah, uh, there you is go. The best way to put it. Um, and so it's uh, we're about a little over two weeks before the start of uh, football season, college football season. The Wildcats opened up uh, open up against Nichols right on on August the 31st, and that is the beginning of the Chris Kleiman era as the as the Wildcats head coach. And we're all kind of curious to see. What, what this team and what this first season is going to be about for Chris Kleiman. And you wrote something in the last week or so that tried to explore this idea by going back into the kind of the history of Big 12 coaches and how a lot of them fared in their first season in, in the Big 12. I thought that was really interesting, and, and you, um, you put some math to it. What um, what was the sort of the general conclusion? Um, I think if people if people think back to their, in their Big Twelve history, they'll find some successful first year you know endeavors. Most recently, someone like Lincoln Riley, but also some some disasters. Pick any Kansas coach over the last few you know <laughs> few years uh, in the in the, in the first season. So, what did uh, what what did you find to be true? If anything, really uh, can be said about first year coaches in Big Twelve. Well, I, I would say for the most part, it was pretty um, unpredictable with first year success and then trying to match that up with how they want the rest of their career. Obviously, some people did it, um, but other than like at Oklahoma or Texas, uh, obviously at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley starts 12 and 2, and he's only had two seasons. He's been to the playoff both times. So great start for him. Pretty much everybody who's been at KU. Uh, his tanked um, Terry Allen got to five five wins. That was actually his best best one right off the bat, five and six. So nobody else did good there. But uh, at other places, it was just interesting. Like like you know, Cliff Kingsbury went to Texas Tech and started eight and five and never did that good again. Um, Paul Rhodes at Iowa State got him bowling in year one. Never never had another winning record there. Um, and then you got other coaches like Matt Campbell, who comes into Iowa State and only wins three wins in his, his first season, and never and uh, from 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 then on got it going. Same with uh, some other guys like like Art Bryles at Baylor struggled for a little bit before he got going. Matt Rule at Baylor, um, and uh, the, I guess what intrigued me about all all these numbers overall is just if you look back at Kansas State's last uh, two coaches, Bill Snyder. Starts uh, out his career with with one win and makes it to the Hall of Fame, whereas Ron Prince starts out his career with seven wins and has a top five upset uh, over Texas and a bowl game on his record right off the bat and doesn't even make it three full seasons. So it's just kind of interesting to me. You, you hear a lot of people say, oh, Kansas State needs to make a bowl this year. Kansas State needs to 
do this this year for us to really believe in in coach Kleiman and for us to say he had a, a strong first season um and while you're certainly going out there trying to win as many games as you can it, it's kind of interesting it seems like more often than not year one isn't really all that indicative of the, the rest of um the a coach's career, at least in terms of purely wins and losses. Right, and I think the point of the story was maybe ways to to measure success or at least measure progress in the program beyond W's and L's, although that is, you know, it's a bottom-line business, and what we think about Chris Kleiman is going to be determined by where the team stands at the, you know, at the end of November or whenever the the regular season ends. And I know there'll be some Kansas State fans that are, will be disappointed if the cat, Cats don't uh, become bowl eligible, which they didn't last year in Bill Snyder's final season. But, you know, there, I think there's a, there was a reason why they were picked ninth in the Big 12. And, look, preseason polls are relatively meaningless. They're just a basically a perception, right, from coaches, media, whoever votes in those things. And the perception is, even though you know, the quarterback, Skylar Thompson, is back and and even though Chris Kleiman had great success at his previous job at North Dakota State, that uh, the the losses are such that um, that, that you know it's it's hard to find if if you're going down the schedule, you hard to find wins beyond you know a few, a couple non-conference games, and then a few in in the league. So again, preseason polls are are relatively are pretty meaningless, but but they are out there for perception, and uh, and uh, and and the perception I think of Kansas State is. Um, whereas Bill Snyder's a Bill Snyder team could have been picked low, and in the back of people's minds, you'd think, well, it's Bill Snyder; he'll he'll get him going. Uh, I, I think Chris Kleiman has to earn that with, with 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 people, with his fan base, and with just observers. That yeah, look, he can be picked ninth, uh, and, and maybe they'll finish better, and, and they'll surprise everybody. But uh, but but he'll have to earn that, and and I, you know. Who's to say he can't? I mean, who's to say that when we're sitting here at the end of the season, they're not at eight or nine wins and top half of the Big 12? But I actually think it's okay to start with a with a low, you know, perception and 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 have something sort of a chip on the shoulder. Did did you get a feeling of of that at, at media day recently that uh, that these guys cared about where they were picked and if they could use it for for any kind of inspiration? You know, they did definitely at media days. I think some of that is worn off now that practices has actually, have actually started. Maybe that'll pick up again um, when they get up to games and they can kind of measure themselves against other teams and where they were ranked. But right now I'd say there's just more kind of a feeling of excitement. Um, there's a lot more energy at practice right now than I've kind of sensed in the past. Um, players and coaches are just a little bit more – I don't know. They're, they're just having a little bit better time, and uh, I don't know that they're sitting around all that much saying, boy, we were picked ninth, we want to prove people wrong. I think that just inherently their their confidence is high enough that they don't really need to look at that. I think they just kind of expect to do better. You know, Callis, one story that, I, that I've been working on and, uh, and will ho- hope to have put together before the season begins is the idea of, of following a legendary coach – which is what Chris Kleiman is doing in, in Bill Snyder. He he's kind of he's been asked about this a little bit. I remember in, at Big Twelve Media Days in Dallas, um, uh, the, he he was you know, he talked about it, and, and maybe maybe in Manhattan when he when he also had had Media Day. But 
he seems to say the right things about this, doesn't he? That um, you know that, that uh, you know he just he, he he has said all the right things all along about following Bill Snyder. Yeah, definitely. He's um, walked that line really well of both honoring everything that Bill Snyder did during his almost thirty-year career here, um, while also kind of saying that you know he's going to bring in his own style and and win his what win. Win his own way, but also with a style that fans who liked the old system could believe in. So, uh, it you know it, it's interesting. I think there's going to be some pretty obvious changes uh, with the team this year. The way it's run, the way the offense is handled, the way the defense is handled, and just kind of the identity of the team is going to change. But it's not going to be so drastic that you're going to see something like uh, you know we saw it in Nebraska when they tried to break away from. Um, what they had done for so many years to Bill Callahan or something like that, and all of a sudden they're running a spread offense and doing things completely differently. Um, I think it'll be. I think the the differences will be um, subtle enough that people like them, while also still kind of recognizing the DNA that they've seen in the past. Here, that's a fascinating example. What what happened at Nebraska when you know Frank Solich was was fired after winning 75% of his games by the way after about uh, seven six or seven seasons and you're right Bill Callahan took over you know after having led the Oakland Raiders to uh, to a Super Bowl and he did he changed the offense from um the the option that Nebraska had had won national championships with and um and, and I can remember when that happened the fans were really happy because they thought that the offense had gotten stale that Defenses caught up, had caught up with it, and they couldn't. You know, they just couldn't beat people by 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 option with with option football anymore. And it just turns out that what had happened really was the recruiting had fallen off, and the and the level of you know just the level of talent had dropped to a point where it didn't matter what Nebraska was running, they were they were not going to be successful with it. And so I, I think it all kind of comes down to that. It's it's what we. You know what will the talent level be for the Wildcats in Chris Kleiman's first year? There are, there are some nice pieces here. Um, you know, Reggie Walker on the defensive side is a, is a pretty nice piece, and and Skylar Thompson, uh, the quarterback, is you know an experienced guy, maybe among the most experienced quarterbacks returning in the Big Twelve. And while we're talking about Skylar, let's um, let's hear what he had to say at uh, at, at Kansas State's media day. Uh, recently, the game has uh, slowed down a lot for me. Um, this year, I've been able been able to anticipate throws and, and think a lot more quickly, um, and I think that is that has helped me a lot. And where I feel like in in the, the past couple of years, at this time of year, I'm still focused on doing better than the, the guy next to me, and I'm not worried about what my teammates are doing. I'm not worried about being a leader. I'm not worried about coaching up our receivers and. You know, I did those things, but, you know, me being in this position now, it's allowed me to truly, like, hone in on my leadership role in this team and really help out the people around me. And I would just say just confidence and just my my spirit of that, that's inside of me in general. I mean, I just I feel so much more free and, and just confident in myself. Um, and that, that's carried over into my gameplay um, so much in, in fall camp. I've had a great start to fall camp and have made some great plays. I've made some mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But I think, 
you know, I'm, I'm just so, as, as hard as the past couple of years were, I'm so thankful that I went through, um, you know, some tough times and some, some adversity. I think that, that really challenged me um, and it has made me better and, and I've grown from that. And, you know, it, it's, it's truly just, uh, it's a feeling of, you know, I've, I've gotten, gone through a lot to get to this spot now, but I also have worked for it and, I'm not gonna let it be taken away from me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to seize the moment and, and cherish this opportunity because it's a great opportunity. It's just something that I've worked for my whole life uh, to be in this position and to lead this football team. And it's something that I don't, I don't take lightly at all. I do my best to, to, to be the best leader I possibly can be uh, and put my teammates first in everything I do. And I know if I do that, then, then my play will take care of itself. That was Kansas State quarterback Skylar Thompson talking about the opportunity he has this season. And that was from Kansas State's Media Day on campus recently. Hey, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back in a moment after this message about a subscription offer. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back with Callis Robinette, the Kansas State beat writer for the Wichita Eagle and the Kansas City Star. And Callis, you, you had another story recently that I want to talk to you about. Uh, I want you to tell us a little bit more about Jordan Brown and how um, all of a sudden a position of uh, that, that had a lot of question marks in the spring has fewer of them now because of players like Jordan Brown. You know, running back overall, even though they're replacing literally uh, everything from last season, no Alex Barnes, no Justin Silman, no Delvin Warmack, no Mac, Mike McCoy, uh, is the most position turnover you'll see really anywhere, not just at Kansas State. But I, I think they actually feel okay about where they're at right now. Uh, given that they have two guys like James Gilbert and Jordan Brown who've come in from uh, from other four-year colleges um, and can play this season as grad transfers. Uh, it seemed like during the spring it was going to be James Gilbert's job uh, to lose just because he had the experience. He rushed for almost 3,000 yards at Ball State. He was here in the spring. Uh, I didn't really see anybody catching him, but you know what? Um Jordan Brown has come in from North Carolina and actually turned quite a few heads. Um, I still think that they're going to be a uh, committee at running back. Uh, their running backs coach even told us today it's going to be a committee. It's not, not going to be one guy. It might even be four people playing every game. So I don't know that there's a huge difference between who starts, who's the backup, who's the third guy. They're all going to get in there and play. But Jordan Brown seems to be a guy who, as long as he can stay healthy, is versatile enough that he'll be on the field for a lot of plays. Not only can he run between the tackles, but he's also pretty good with his hands. Uh, they're not afraid to move him out to the slot. And uh, they've talked a little bit about actually using him as a, uh, 
you know, a dump off option when Skylar Thompson's looking downfield to make something bigger happen. If it's not there, uh, he can just check down and, and get it to Jordan Brown. He can make things happen uh, with the ball in space. And that's something that they haven't really used a whole lot of in recent years. I know people, uh, some Kansas State fans really wanted Dalvin Warmack to be that kind of player where they'd send him out laterally on third downs. And if there was anything there, they'd get to him and let him create. That's something that's been kind of missing from Kansas State's offense the last couple of years, but Jordan Brown gives them the opportunity to utilize it once again. Yeah, and I know you don't get to sit in on practices, but what do you hear anything about you know contrasting styles between him and James Gilbert? They you know they they seem to be about the same size. Are they different types of running backs? Is one more considered more powerful than the other, faster than the other? I think Gilbert is more of the power guy. And then Brown is a little bit more of a, a speed player, but they both can do multiple things. I, I would say that the biggest difference between them is I don't know how much they're going to use James Gilbert in the passing game, but I think they definitely will use Jordan Brown there. I'll tell you, for Brown, he is he's a North Carolina guy. As you said, he transferred from UNC, and I'm sure he was happy to get out of there. They were 2-9 and nine last year and, of course, fired the coach and hired – hired Mac Brown as the, you know, as the new coach there. And I guess he just didn't see the opportunity, the same type of opportunity for himself there. Um, and I, I enjoyed the, the thought from him in your story about he, he had really no knowledge of Kansas State, uh, didn't know anything about their history or, um, or, or much at all. So you talk, talk about a fresh start. It's the freshest of starts, really, if you, you come to a program and, and don't know much at all about the program that you've transferred to. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He's uh, he's kind of a, he's not getting paid, but he's kind of a mercenary. He, he he came to Kansas State to play football here, really no other reason. He I asked him how many Kansas State games he'd watched before, and he he said zero with a straight face. Didn't know know anything about him. Never thought he'd uh, ever travel to Kansas. So it was kind of a culture shock for him to live out here. But um, he's you know he's fit in really well. They like him, and I think he's glad to be here. Yeah, there, there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a new look at running back, and he's going to be, be among it. Okay, so if they, if if that's going to be a position of, of shared responsibility, are there some other places on the field where there might be some some genuine position battles going on right now? There are. Um, the, I mean, it, it sounds kind of weird to say this. The biggest position battle on offense is probably for backup quarterback right now, um, not a, a starting job. Um, I think somewhat surprisingly, uh, Nick Ost, who's a, a walk-on from Cimarron, Kansas, is really impressed, and he's actually pushing John Holcomb, uh, a talented redshirt freshman there, for the backup spot. Um, so that's like, if you're looking like for a pure position battle, that's one spot where it's really up in the air right now. And then the other one that for for a starting spot, I guess you could look at uh, receiver. I think Dalton Schoen is probably going to start. Uh, just because he's got the seniority, he's the leader there now. Um, I don't see anybody unseating him at receiver, but who's going to be that guy who plays next to him as the number two guy? Is it Malik Knowles? Is it Joshua Youngblood? Is it Sebastian Taylor? Um, you could probably name two or three other players. Wyking Gill, who could who could go in there and play for him and start and be a meaningful part of the offense. I think they'll go probably three or four deep there as much as they can. And you know who's going to join Dalton uh, as the main pass catcher? That's that's the other thing I'm really looking looking at right now. Right. Okay. So, like we said, August 31st uh, against Nichols is the is the uh, 
the opener, and they Bowling Green the next week before the uh, they hit the road to go to Mississippi State. And so in this opener, Kellis, I think the uh, the other pressing issue is um, beer sales. Where does that stand? Is that is that going to happen at Kansas State football games this year? Has a decision been made on the uh, the, the possible sale of uh, of brew at uh, at KSU? Well, they're they're not going to change it this season. Um, so for this year, if you want to drink a beer at a Kansas State football game, you better have a seat in uh, a suite or the club level, or you better be willing to go to the beer garden they have located on the west side and, and watch the game briefly on TV. They are going to have margaritas out there this year. They're adding that. <laughs> there we uh, go. The stadium, but you can't. There's still going to be the same old rules, um, at least for this season. You can't. Uh, Buy, buy a beer and then go take it to your seat at the 30-yard line. Um, I think that might be a year away. It, I think it is probably coming at some point. Um, you know, if you look around the Big 12 right now, it used to be, you know, for the longest time only West Virginia did it. Then it was only West Virginia and Texas. And now there's more schools than not that are selling alcohol. I, I believe Kansas State, Iowa State, and Baylor are the only three that aren't at this point. So, it, you know, it's not – this big, uh, you know, this big shocking thing. If you decide to do that, the question that Gene Taylor and Kansas State personnel are going to have to figure out is that they have set, uh, such a setup at Kansas State where there's so much parking uh, right next to the stadium, all around it, that right now everyone can leave at halftime and go to their tailgate and drink a beer out there, and then come back in for the third quarter. And there are people who that's part of their routine and that they like it, and they don't necessarily want to trade that for for beer throughout the stadium if they can't go and do that at halftime if they can't have access to their tailgate so that's kind of what they got to decide right now is um is it better off for the kansas state fan the general kansas state fan to uh, be able to buy a beer in a seat or do you is it more convenient just to stick with what you've got i think ultimately they probably will decide that they want to go with everybody else and, and sell alcohol but i can't really predict right now when that'll be it definitely won't be this year okay good to know and so but you you raise a good point. Anybody who's been to a football game in at Kansas State knows that ample parking. It's one. It's really one of the great parking situations that I think in college football because ample parking on both sides of the, you know, of the high rises. And uh, and you're right. It's it's you're you're pretty close to your car. I, I don't I don't see where it would be the big money maker perhaps at Kansas State that it might be at other universities where it's just terribly inconvenient to, you know, to leave your seat, go out, to, go out of the stadium, uh, walk to your car just to, you know, to crack open a 12-ounce Bud Light. You know, that, that's but it's different at Kansas State. And, um, and, and I, I guess they'd have there, – there's still some, you know, some pros and cons to weigh about whether to have it or not. I, I think for a convenience sake, you, you do have it. You, you go ahead and put it in there. But – Again, it may not be the you know a, a big budget item, uh, a big revenue, I should say, revenue item for Kansas State that it might be at other schools. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, okay, Kellis, a, I appreciate you spending some time with us, and we look forward to talking to you again soon, um, just a couple weeks before college football season. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Kellis. Yeah, my pleasure, Blair. You can find Kellis' work all over the place. First, check out the links in the show notes. But for extensive coverage, go to KansasCity.com, Kansas.com, the Wichita Eagle, and the Kansas City Star. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, help us out by rating and reviewing Sportsbeat KC. 
We'd love to hear from you, and your review could help us reach more listeners. Thanks to producer Kathy Liu and to podcast coach Leah Becerra. This has been Sportsbeat KC, presented by the Kansas City Star and sponsored by Big O Tires. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk sports in Kansas City.